bunch of teenagers in our uh, teen ministry got on a bus today. They're on their way down to Tennessee, and uh, they're on a week-long uh, mission trip where they're going to... Um, going to serve families, and uh, uh, as God brings it to your mind this week, whisper a prayer for the kids. Uh, often God does something special in teenagers' hearts on these mission trips. Very often, they, they come to think about God in a better way. They come to think differently about themselves. They begin to see the value of serving others and not just being served themselves. And uh, if we whisper uh, prayers to God, I'm sure he'll hear us. And I'm sure we'll be meaning, uh, more meaningful for uh, our kids. I also pray for them to be safe. They are going to be handling tools all week. And uh, I've done damage to myself with tools before. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, Sarah and uh, Jovan for the excellent work they did. won't be walking all over the stage, I'm sorry, uh, but if you permit me, I'll walk your mind into some interesting thoughts, and I'll walk your soul into the presence of God. But I'll just have to stand right here to do that. Our dear Heavenly Father, uh, the beauty of life in Christ, uh, sometimes slips away from us. And we need your Holy Spirit to whisper to our souls and remind us the joy of living when the goodness of God is controlling our thoughts and our feelings and the way we treat other people. So I pray in the way that only you could do, you would whisper to our hearts this morning, and we would see uh, for the church to thrive, we have to have a healthy connection to you, and uh, we have to have a heart to serve you. In Christ's name, amen. After some very elaborate um, uh, scientific work, uh, the NASA determined that the moon had on the uh, uh, on the northern polar cap has a great deal of ice. Uh, it can't be seen because it's covered with dirt, but there is a great deal of ice on the moon. And when they found that out, um, it immediately triggered another part of NASA, where they start doing this theor theoretical planning. The hardest thing about going into space is getting free from the Earth's atmosphere. That's why we have to have these giant booster rockets. But the atmosphere and the gravity on the moon is not near what it is on Earth, and it would be immensely easier to launch a rocket from the moon than from the Earth. Uh, and it turns out that rocket fuel is made from hydrogen, and oxygen. And for you who remember chemistry, water is H2O, one hydrogen, two oxygen. 
So they ha they're, they're doing theoretical planning to create a lunar launch site where they could launch uh, rockets uh, to, uh, to do an uh, um, inter-solar uh, uh, system uh, uh, research. And if you think about that, just think about the ability it would take to do that. I mean, the intellectual ability, the mechanical ability, uh, the skills necessary to do that are almost boggling. It, it, it wouldn't just take a great deal of ability, it would take people who could actually do the work. It's one thing to figure everything out, it's another thing to get people up there with wrenches and screwdrivers and hacksaws and build the stuff. And then if you think thirdly, can you imagine the amount of energy it'll take? Uh, the project, when you think about it in really practical terms, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and requires more and more and more quality people. When I uh, 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 saw that documentary, I thought to myself, you know what? That's kind of like the church. We have an almost impossible mission. The world is broken. We all have something ugly in our souls. Mankind figures out new ways to be mean and rude to each other. But we have a great theoretical uh, soul God who says, I have an idea that I can influence the entire world through a volunteer organization called the church. God has one plan to make the world a beautiful place. He only has one, and that's the church. The church is God's good idea to get mankind back on track with God. And it takes a great deal of ability. It takes the ability of every single person in this church. If you think you have nothing to contribute, you misunderstand God's idea about the church. If you are in the church, God has given you some ability and you can do something to be part of this great design for Christ to triumph in uh, the human heart. It takes a great deal of service. We don't just do one thing. We, we literally do hundreds of things. Um, uh, the, the amount of things we try to do, the list goes on and on and on and on. And, and, and sometimes people say, why do we have to do so much? Because we're the church. And if we don't do it, God's work goes undone in our generation. And it takes energy. Look, uh, it takes energy to do the work of God. Uh, you can't sit on the couch with your feet propped up watching reons of gun smoke and, uh, and uh, accomplish uh, the great work of God in the world. Church. And so I, I want to speak this morning about uh, 
a passage that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And this is what he said. Now there are a variety of gifts or abilities, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I'd like to unpackage this. First of all, the church only thrives through a variety of abilities. Um, Paul once compared the church to a human body. And he said, if the whole body was just an ear, where would the seeing be? Uh, and of course, uh, my twisted imagination, uh, uh, I see a big ear walking around, uh, uh, bumping into things. Uh, uh, just being an ear doesn't create a human life. You got to have seeing, you have to have a smell, you have to have touch, you have to have taste. It requires all for the human being to function right. The same thing is true in the church. For us to thrive, every single one of us need to discern what, has, what unique ability has God given me and how can I organize my life to use some of that ability in the church. Can you hear me? The Holy Spirit selects the perfect gift for each one of you. Your gift is not something random that you got for Christmas one year. Your gift is selected by the Holy Spirit, and it is selected uniquely for you and the kind of person you are and the kind of contribution you can make. So if the Holy Spirit is selecting this gift and giving it to me, who is the Holy Spirit? And why is he important to the church? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And primarily we recognize him because he creates faith, he regenerates the human soul, he sanctifies us and prepares us to live forever with God, and he guides us. Now let's look at all four of those one at a time. There is a person in God that we call the Holy Spirit. He is perfectly divine. He is equal to the Father and the Son in, in every way. And he is that aspect of God that affects our heart and our thinking. And because of the effect of the Holy Spirit upon our heart and our thinking, we have a capacity to exercise faith in God. Without the Holy Spirit, you would never have faith in God by yourself. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is he chooses a perfect time in your life. And in that perfect moment, he helps you hear the truth about Christ in such a way that something that was in your soul that was dead comes alive again. That's called regeneration. The Holy Spirit works in you, and in that moment, 
your ability to relate to God comes alive. And because the Holy Spirit has created this new life in you, you hear yourself saying to God, I trust you to be my Lord and my Savior. I trust you to be my God. The third thing he does is, uh, none of us are as good as we should be. Uh, some of you are awesome and wonderful people, and some of us have a long, long way to go. Uh, but wherever you are, the Holy Spirit shows up in your life day after day, week after week, and, he, and gently and uh, by his great wisdom, he helps us get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to do this work so well that someday we will stand up before God without spot and without blemish. I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And uh, the fourth thing the Holy Spirit does is he guides us. There is the whispering voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he guides us through scripture. Sometimes he guides us by helping us think a thought we wouldn't have otherwise thought. Sometimes he guides us by helping us to meet the right person at the right time. But he is at work to do these four things. All right. Now, because the Holy Spirit is perfect at creating faith, because he's perfect at regenerating us, because he's perfect at, perfect at uh, sanctifying us, because he's perfect at guiding us, all of that work comes together, and there are a variety of abilities given to every Christian because the Holy Spirit is doing his perfect work. The Holy Spirit creates the church by regenerating souls and then bringing people together and unifying us for the divine purpose. The church doesn't get to decide what our purpose is. God already decided that. The Holy Spirit also guides the church by his influence on our thoughts, feelings, and choices. The Holy Spirit works in the church by giving us ability and then creating the faith within us to do the hard things that he gave us the ability to do. Do you see this? It is a perfect plan. God's Spirit does his perfect work. It affects every one of us, and we start feeling this inner impulse that I want to serve God in some way. Then we start exploring, what abilities do I have? And then the Holy Spirit keeps doing his good work, and pretty soon we're signing up for Love Week. Uh, pretty soon we're signing up for a ministry. Uh, pretty soon we're volunteering to serve God in some way. That's how the Holy Spirit does his perfect work in the church. All right. Now I want to ask you, where are you in this process? Where are you personally in this process? Has there ever been a time that you sensed something of God whispering to your soul, encouraging you to repent and believe and become a Christian? If you, if you can remember a time like that, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is his first step in creating a healthy church, saving souls. There's no healthy church without saved souls. All right. 
Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like, I would really like to do something meaningful in the service of God? If you've ever thought that thought, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit working in you, beginning to say, I have something that I've gifted you to do, and I want to stir up within you the impulse to get busy. Church? Um, maybe, you're, maybe you're someone who has served. Maybe you're already into the process where you have volunteered in, or you serve regularly. Listen to this. We work in the church through the spiritual abilities that the Holy Spirit gives us. But guess what? We also come to know God better through the Holy Spirit working in us as we serve in the church. I want to tell you something very, very important. When you serve God in the church, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to help you understand God better than if you never served God at all. Do you understand this? Uh, when I was a boy, we went to driver's training at school. The school offered it. And uh, we sat in a study hall and I think a gym teacher taught us driver's training and showed us wrecked cars after the prom and said, all of you will be dead if you don't study this book. Uh, but we reached a point where you had to put the book down and you had to go out and get in the car. You, you couldn't learn any more about driving a car by looking at a book you had to get out and drive the car. Frankly, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, sadly, that is not what excited the driver's training teacher. Uh, um, and you get in the car, and, and you start the thing up, and you put it in drive, and, and you start going down the street, and the steering wheel is in your hand. You're driving the car. All right. The same thing is true in the Christian life. Some of you have sat in classes long enough. I'm not, telling, I'm not saying don't go to class. Go to classes, go to life groups. Okay, but you're, all, you're not going to go any farther than you are right now by just sitting in another class. Your next step is to get in the car, to volunteer, to start serving, and, and watch how God helps you to understand him better as you serve him. Church, the Holy Spirit teaches me more about God as I faithfully serve than if uh, I, I, I uh, just sit. To be a thriving church, to be a growing spiritually church, we all have to find a place to serve because the Holy Spirit is going to help us to understand God better as we serve together. But then Paul went on to say, Jesus Christ has work to do. The Holy Spirit's work is uh, what I just described, what he says, in the church there's not just a lot of abilities, there are a variety of services. 
Jesus Christ is the one who organized how the church should work. Jesus Christ is the one who instructed us how the church should operate. And he's the one who is uh, uh, leading the way of uh, creating service in the church. So who is Jesus, and why is he important to the church? Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, and his primary job is to mediate between God and man. God is so great, we can't communicate. God is so awesome, he is beyond us. Uh, he, is, he is infinite and we are finite. Uh, he, is, uh, he knows everything and, and we know very little. And, and so God took upon himself the form of a man and as the God-man Jesus Christ, Jesus mediates between God and us. The second thing Jesus does is uh, he reveals God to us. The better you know Jesus Christ, the better you know God. Church, when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus feeding the 5,000, you see God caring for people. When you read the Gospels and, and, and uh, you, you read the wonderful story about uh, the, the, the man who was healed at the pool that Sarah, that Sarah shared with us, you're seeing God. Jesus Christ helps us understand the invisible God. The third thing he does is he's our redeemer. I can't pay for my own sin. Christ died on the cross, and his precious blood is God's uh, 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 way of forgiving all my sin. Finally, Jesus taught us that God has given all judgment over to him. When your life is over, the evaluator will be Jesus Christ himself. All right. So, how does what Jesus do affect how the church works? How does what Jesus does? The grammar is all messed up here. All right. It starts by Christ creates the church by redeeming us from our sin and, and, and helping us to understand the goodness of God. Uh, if you will pay attention to the teaching of Jesus Christ, you will be shocked about how good and beautiful and uh, worthy God is. Jesus shows us the beauty of God. And in the church, if we don't see the beauty of God, nothing else makes sense. Christ... Um, Christ in, uh, uh, guides the church by his instruction and by his example. Christ works in the church and reveals God to us so we can reveal God to others. Now this is important. We work in the church by volunteering to serve in a ministry that Christ himself wants the church to do. When somebody tries to recruit you to serve, we're just asking you, in Christ's name, would you be part of something Christ wants to do in the world? We're going to help a family. Uh, uh, their, their house needs worked on. Uh, 
the family has been in this church for 40 years. Uh, 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 Del Rose is in the hospital right now. Uh, Christ wants us to help them. Do you, you understand that? This is, not a, this is not a social service project, and we're doing this because uh, we're doing this because this is what Christ wants done. Christ said, pure religion is to help people like Del Rose when, when they're in the position they're in. Christ taught us that. Every ministry we do, and when we try to recruit you to volunteer, we're simply saying, would you consider being part of doing something that Christ wants done in the world? Church? I believe with all my heart, God wants a thriving campus in Parma Heights. I believe with all my heart, God has a vision for a thriving campus in uh, Parma Heights. And so he asks us, would you partner with me and would you serve in the kind of way that this campus I have in my heart can be a reality in the world? In the same way, as, as I serve, the Holy Spirit helps me to understand God better. In this very same way, as I serve, Jesus Christ helps me to understand God better. Because serving... Uh, the life of Christ looks altogether different to me when I'm serving than when I'm not serving. Church, this is what it looks like. When I'm not serving, I look at Jesus and go, oh, isn't he a great guy? He healed the sick. When I'm serving and I know what it takes, I look at Jesus and go, how incredible. Day after day, you couldn't wear the man down. He went everywhere doing good. Day after day, another need, another need, another need, another broken life, another person in despair. And Christ showed up and served day after day after day. And I'm telling you that looks altogether different to me when I'm serving than when I'm not serving. I come to know what God real what it really cost God to serve humanity. And there's one more. Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, there are a lot of abilities in the church and we need to use every one of them. The church has to have a lot of of of, of ministries because God works in a different way through every ministry. But then it says that there's, the energy for this has to come from somewhere. The empowering from this has to come from somewhere. And God the Father perfectly empowers us for what he asks us to do. So then, when I serve God, I'm not doing it alone. God himself is sharing power with me, sharing energy with me to do it. Um, I've had uh, conversations over the years with people about uh, uh, burnout in the church and, and uh, some pastor friends of mine have talked to me about burnout. I, I have never had burnout. 
I'm, and I, I hope you don't hear me as bragging. I, I, I've just never had burnout. Uh, uh, look, uh, if you're doing this yourself, you're definitely going to have burnout. But if your Christian life is empowered day by day by the grace of God, by the power of God, by the presence of God, you don't burn out because God never burns out. Burnout is a light flashing on the dashboard of your soul saying, you need to reconnect to the source. You need to spend a little more time with the Almighty. You need to find new uh, hope, uh, 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 new perspective, uh, uh, new ability by drawing from God what only God can give. Church. So who is God the Father? And uh, why is he important in the church? God the Father is the first person of the Trinity. And this is what he does. He wills, he initiates, he perseveres, and he provides. So let's look at each one of these one at a time. I believe that before God created anything, in the beauty of his perfect mind, he willed the reality that we know. Everything you know began as an act of will in the heart of the Almighty. In theology, we call it the decreals. That before God created anything, he figured out everything, and in his perfect will, he chose reality to be what we see. And that is primarily the work of the Father. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. Uh, the second thing that he does is he initiates. God the Father is the great starter. He initiates. He, generation after generation, he initiates. He starts new things. He calls new people. He, he gives fresh ideas. Uh, he is the great initiator. Uh, and when you read the Bible, you see his initiatives. Uh, the world is in a mess. God initiates and calls Abraham and starts something new. Uh, the Israelites are stuck in Egyptian bondage. God initiates and he calls Moses and sends Moses in to speak to Pharaoh. Israel is in a mess. God initiates, raises up King David, and, and uh, 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 starts a new epic in the history of Israel. God is the great initiator. Uh, Forty years ago, our Heavenly Father initiated something beautiful and fresh, and this church was born out of an initiative that God himself uh, was uh, the will of. Um, God is the great preserver. I believe that the, the universe that we live in is held together by the word of his power. I don't understand what that means. That is a direct quote from the, the, uh, the scripture. The world is held together by the word of his power. There's something in the nature of God the Father that preserves 
the world as we know it. Uh, why haven't we, why hasn't humanity destroyed itself years ago? Because the God, the Father, is the great preserver. He's, he, he's, he preserves his creation generation after generation. He preserves his church generation after generation. I have no fear. I have no fear that, that uh, uh, I will ever be lost because Jesus said that Jesus holds me in his hand and God the Father holds Jesus and me in his hand. Ah, uh, I don't care who you are. You're not strong enough to jump out of the hand of the Almighty. He is the preserver of your eternal soul. And then God is the great provider. There's a beautiful psalm that says that God feeds the wild donkey. And it's one of those Old Testament pictures that you've got to read a little history for. What does that mean? Uh, wild donkeys were, uh, 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 nobody cared about them. They were too wild, they'd bite you, they'd kick you. Uh, people just avoided them. But here is an animal that people avoided, and the psalmist says, even the wild donkey that is despised and avoided, my heavenly father feeds. He, he, he had another idea. He said, when you hear that lion roar, a moaning roar, the heavenly father feeds him, hears him and also feeds the hungry lion. Our God is the great provider. If he cares enough, if he cares enough to feed birds that don't plant and don't harvest, don't you think you are more valuable than birds? He is the great provider. Everything we need, he's able to provide. My God shall provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, the Holy Spirit gives the abilities. Jesus Christ leads the services, the ministries, and the Father empowers. He's already willed to give you the energy and the power to do what he's calling you to do. If you will listen through the Holy Spirit, he will initiate in your heart. You'll hear a whisper that says to your soul, it's time to be involved. It's time to engage. It's time to connect with God in a new and fresh way. He will preserve you and he will provide. Um, if our church has learned anything, we've learned that God is the great provider. Time after time, God has done miraculous things to provide our church what we needed when we needed it. And I need you to believe that the very same God wants to initiate in your life. He's got a good will for you. He's got a good idea for you. He's going to provide you everything you need so that you can serve the way he wants you to serve. We come to know God better by considering how God empowers us and how we become aware of divine initiatives in our lives. Listen, as you serve, you will recognize when I do these things, it, I sense 
that uh, God empowers me. When I do these things, I have a sense of being weak. The more you serve, the more you become aware of that. But listen, you also become more sensitive to how God initiates. You become more, uh, your soul becomes more sensitive that this feels to me just like the last time God asked me to do something. I'm, I'm beginning to recognize this. Uh, maybe the first time I stumbled on it, and maybe the second time God went the extra mile. But as I serve and walk with him, my soul begins to be aware of who God is and how he works in me, and I know him well enough that more and more I recognize his whisper initiating, saying, let's start something fresh together. Church. And then the Apostle Paul said, God is the one working in all things in all of this. When I ask you to serve in the church, I'm just asking you to do from time to time what God is doing every day. He's working out his perfect purpose and plan. You see this? There's only one reason you should volunteer. There's only one reason you should be on the dream team. There's only one reason. And that's you have this sense that there is a great God and he has chosen the church. And maybe the most important thing you'll ever do in your life, you will do in context of serving God in some way through the church. You hear this? Maybe you have a gift that you, you've never uh, uh, discovered. Uh, maybe you have an ability you've never discovered. Maybe you're better at serving than you ever dreamed you were serving. Maybe you have more influence than you ever dreamed you have. God whispers to us, and he says, we've got work to do. Would you work with me today? Uh, this is parents take their kids to work day, and my heavenly father says, would you like to go to work with me today, son? Church. So God reveals himself the world, to the world through the church. As we serve God, we not only come to know him better, we help the world around us to know him better. Serving in the church matters because service expresses our commitment to God. Atheists cannot deny God when the church is at work showing the love of God in tangible and real ways. When you serve where you have ability, you're showing the Holy Spirit to the world. It's not your ability, it's the Holy Spirit's ability, and as you use that ability, you are demonstrating the Holy Spirit to the world. When you serve following Christ's instruction and example, you're showing something of Christ to the world. People see Christ by what Christ is doing in you. When you serve in the power of God, you're showing something of God the Father to the world. When we serve with excellence, we demonstrate the excellence of the infinitely awesome God. Why do we have to do everything well? Because we are representing God as we do it. 
And if we want people to think God is awesome and, and, and worthy of, uh, of praise and honor and glory and majesty, then when we serve, we have to serve with excellence. When we serve with unity, we reveal the unity of the Trinity. God is a triune being, one essence, three persons. And when we serve in the church the way we're supposed to serve, we show the Trinity to the world in the most clear way it can be shown. And so, is there any spot in your heart where you can hear the Holy Spirit say, let's do something fresh. Let's do something new. Let's serve in a way we've never served. Let's serve with a spirit we've never served with. Let's serve with an energy we've never served with. Let's think of areas we could be serving and we aren't and figure out ways how we can follow Christ's example and serve in those ways. And let's be a church that demonstrates the Trinity to the world through our service. Our dear Heavenly Father, I think your idea of the church is absolutely brilliant. I think it's another expression of the genius of God. And I know how you have worked in our church. I know how your spirit has uh, 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 directed people uh, uh, into their abilities. I know how Christ has guided us in service and ministry. I know how, I know how Heavenly Father, you have empowered us. We have a history of you being at work in our church. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that our history would only be the launching pad for our future. And that everyone in this room and everyone who's watching online will reconsider how we organize our lives. And we would find time to uh, serve as your partner in this generation. And then I pray that your perfect purpose would be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen.